This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Well, good morning still for the next 15 minutes until noon, and I wanna say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms in the house. Can we just celebrate moms one more time, you guys? They do so much for us. Uh, You have the toughest job on the planet, I really do believe that. My mother had an extreme, extremely hard job. Uh, she managed to somehow keep me alive, and so that's, that's amazing. And so next year, I'm advocating that mothers deserve more than a day, and we're going to have Mother's Month. How many of you are good with that? Moms, good? thought you might like that. All right. Actually, I thought you might like that a little more, but that's fine. Whatever. All right. We are starting a brand new series today that I am super excited about this, starting on Mother's Day and ending on Father's Day, and it's called Running With Giants, and and I'm so uh, excited for this series. Normally, my my wonderful wife would be bringing a Mother's Day word, but I thought about it and thought, you know, having her up here on Mother's Day doesn't really give her the break that she deserves, doesn't give her the day off, and since she's working hard for sisterhood this coming Thursday, which, by the way, guys, like, you can look like a boss this Mother's Day if you right now turn to your wife, turn to your baby mama, turn to whoever it is, and say, look, I got you covered. Like this is already taken care of. You're going on Thursday because they're not gonna want to miss that. But I I was looking forward to bringing this word today as we kick off this series. And the theme verse that we have is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, everybody say this word. Therefore, what's that therefore, therefore? That's what you always have to ask yourself. In fact, it is a continuation of a thought from a previous chapter. And it says, therefore, talking about something that happened in Hebrews chapter 11, that lists this hall of fame of faith, where it lists all these giants of the faith. And it doesn't just celebrate their lives. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by them, Surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. In other words, this, these giants of faith are right now watching you. I don't know if you realize that or not, but they are up in heaven and they have their eye on you. It says we're surrounded by them. And I, I, love, I love thinking about that. I love thinking about the idea that right now in heaven there are uh, fans in the stands. There are people watching you run your race. There are people watching you live out this journey. You have giants like like Moses and and Abraham and and David, right? I think David is in the stands cheering you on. I believe his chest is probably painted, and he's like, go for it. Like, Colby, you got this. You know, Bobby, you got this. Jill, you, you got this. You can do it. They're right now cheering you on. And the Bible says, since we're surrounded by them, let us throw off everything that hinders In other words, the Bible recognizes that life is tough. 
is not always easy, and the success that you would experience in life is not uh, found in the stuff that you accumulate, but often in the stuff that you delete. And what it says is that you need to get rid of that stuff that's in your life. You need to throw off the things that hinder, that hold you back, and the sin that so easily entangles. This series is designed to help you do just that is to help us throw off these things, to get rid of these things that would hold us back from running the race that's marked out for us. Well, how do we do that? Well, we learn from the giants. We learn from the men and women of faith that have gone before us. We learn from their example. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and run this race, say this word, with perseverance. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. So think about this right now. If there are these giants of the face watching you, they're in the stands, they're cheering you on. I don't know if you've ever been on the field, you know, while you had kind of a crowd cheering you on, but it's really hard, you know, in that moment to pick out individual voices from those that are cheering you on, those that are saying, come on, you got this, you can do it. And so John Maxwell, Dr. John Maxwell, who's a leadership guru, wrote this book several years ago called Running With Giants, and that's where the idea of this, this, this series comes from, where he says this, what if one of those giants that were watching you run your race, watching you take laps around the stadium, what if one of those giants came out of the stands and ran with you, got all up in your huddle, right, got up all in your, your business and did life with you, what's one thing they would tell you? If they only had a chance to run one lap with you, what's the greatest piece of advice? What's the greatest thing these giants of the faith could, could tell you? So that's what we are going to do in this series. And I believe uh, there are gonna be two great benefits from this. One is we're gonna be super encouraged by these giants. We're gonna be super encouraged by not only their, their uh, victories, but also how they overcame defeat in many cases as well. But the second thing that's gonna help us out is you're gonna learn your Bible because we're gonna have to dive deep and dig deep into the stories of these characters into their lives. So today, Mother's Day, intentionally, we're gonna take a look at that word persevere. And it's a big fancy word meaning patient endurance, meaning hang on, hold on. It's gonna be tough. That word kind of conjures up images of of kitten posters where kittens are hanging from the tree, right? You know what I'm talking about? Hang in there. You know, it's going to be okay. It's not my favorite poster, but I personally don't like that word persevere so much, and many of us don't, but it, it is a part of life. In fact, it's a great part of our Christian life as well. So the giant of the faith, I think, is able to speak to us uh, the best about the fact that sometimes God's promises uh, take a long time to get to. That God's, God's promises for our life take a long time for it actually to come to pass as the giant named Sarah. Sarah, many of you might be familiar with the story. You might not be. We're gonna cover a lot of ground, but I was looking so forward to this because I think many of us are in that place right now where you might say, Colby, um, God's promised me some things. Like, I feel like God has spoken a word in my life. I feel like, you know, I, I have a purpose. I know what I should be doing. But if I'm being honest with you right now, I don't see any movement. Like, if I'm being uh, totally honest with you, in fact, I'm not moving in the right direction. I feel like there are times in my life I'm moving in the wrong direction. Anybody relate with that? Like, that's, that's Sarah. 
In fact, she didn't see a lot of, of movement in her life, so she went ahead and took matters into her own hands. And I think we're gonna learn a lot from Sarah today that will help us out. Let me give you a little bit of a, a backstory. Um, Sarai, which was her name at this point, and Abram received a promise from God, and many of you are familiar with this. In Genesis chapter 15, verse one, it says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. Now, those of you that are like, isn't his name Abraham? Well, not at this point. At this point, Abram uh, was Abram. Abraham came later. Sarah was Sarai, because uh, if you, that A-H that's in their names now, as we, as we read them later on, is actually the Hebrew name for God. So something cool you should know is, is that uh, God says, hey, I'm gonna put a little bit of myself in you. In fact, the more you follow me, the more you live for me, you're gonna look less like you and more like God. That's, that's kind of what that transition was. I think it's really cool, uh, something that God did. He says, he spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid. Now, many times, when God makes a promise or God presents a promise to us, this phrase is often used, isn't it? Don't be afraid or, or fear not. In other words, there's going to be um, some doubt associated with this. There's going to be a, a pro process associated with this promise. So that's why the Bible comes along and says, hey, don't be afraid because you're gonna have to hang in there. It's gonna be tough. You're gonna have to persevere, and you might say, Colby, why does God do that? Why does he work that way? We're gonna show you in just a moment. Do not be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? He's saying, you can reward me all you want, but I don't even have someone to be my, my heir since you've given me no children. Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, He's gonna get all my stuff. And you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Watch, the Lord says to him, nope, that's not gonna happen. That's not how this is going to go down. I know it looks that way. I know it's trending in that direction, but he says you will, here's the promise, have a son of your own to be your heir. Now let me explain something to you. At this point in history, it would be another 25 years before that promise came to pass. So at this point, Abram uh, is about 75 years old, and his wife, Sarai, is about 65 years old. Not necessarily spring chickens, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, even in that moment, you might think the pregnancy might be a, a little awkward, but if you know the story, God waits, God waits, so this miracle uh, eventually ends up happening, but, but long after their bodies are way past reproductive ability, or so it would seem. And that's just something you should know about God. Like, he does some things sometimes that we just don't understand, we don't comprehend. In fact, he tries to help us do that, as he did with, with Abram. Check it out, verse five. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up in the sky. Like, look in the sky and, and count the stars. I don't know if you've ever tried that. You, you can't do it. He's like, count the stars, he says, if you can. Because that's how many descendants you will ultimately have, if you can. God will try to help us comprehend something, but you need to understand he has a dilemma on his hands because it's something that's beyond our mental capacity to receive. So he says, hey, look, that, that many stars, like 
that's gonna be your descendants, I promise you. You don't see it now. You don't even understand how we're gonna arrive at that point, but you're gonna have that many kids. Today's message, reserved for Mother's Day, but really for all of us in this room, is for when you can't understand God. You can't understand how you're gonna go from his promise to ultimately seeing it come to pass. And you might say, oh, I read it in the Bible and, and, and it kind of makes sense or, you know, you can tell me about it on the weekend in, in church and, and I can kind of wrap my head around it a little bit, but I don't understand why this process is associated with this promise of God. And when you get to that point, what happens is impatience threatens to overwhelm you. And in your impatience, you can make some really bad decisions. So Sarah would come out of the stands She'd do a lap with you, and she'd say, hey, hey, don't do it. Don't, in your impatience, make some decisions that you will regret. I did, and boy, did I ever mess things up. She would tell us a moment of patience could save you from a lifetime of regret, and some of you know that all too well. A single moment of patience could save you from some massive regret because impatience will mess you up. Now, come on, how many of you ladies like, you know this, because at 15 years old, you prayed to God to marry that boy in high school. And now, you went on Facebook, and you checked him out. And you're thanking God, right, that that never happened. Because at 15, he was a hunk. At 40, he's a chunk, right? And so you're like, no, no, no. Like, thank you, Jesus, you know, that you spared me. But what's funny about that, it's easy to see now, like 25 years later, but what's funny about that, at 15, you were begging God, you were mad at God for not, for not giving you that person, right? But it's so easy to see now. That's why we have to learn how to deal with our impatience. And Sarah would come along and say, I was impatient, so learn from my experience. I was impatient, learn from my Example, she would say this, jot it down in your notes, don't sabotage God's promises with your own solutions. She would say, don't do it, because that's what she did. She basically took matters into her own hands. I wanna give you three kind of quick teaching thoughts and then, and then hopefully three encouragements, and we'll all leave here today and be able to live our lives with a little bit more patience. Because I think Sarah would come down and say, look, 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 in God's promise, I really didn't trust him. I really didn't believe I was ever going to have a child. I really didn't, I thought God was just blowing a lot of hot air, right? I couldn't see how it would get there, but she would implore you to really trust God. So we're jogging around the track, and I think the first thing is she would tell us, trust God, even if, write it down, it takes a while. Even if it takes a long time, hashtag because it probably will. This is one of those things that we just don't like about God, that we, we often can't, uh, we have a hard time getting through. God, we, we think, is notoriously slow in developing his promises, at least as we kind of perceive slowness. I used to tell um, a joke. I'm a PK, and so I have some kind of dumb PK jokes. This might be one of them. If it is, you don't have to laugh. I think I learned it from my grandfather early on, uh, but a man walks up to God and says, hey, God, how much is a million years? And God says, to me, my son, it is only a second. 
He says, all right, how much is a million dollars? He goes, to me, my son, it is only a penny. He's like, oh God, can I get one of those pennies? And God says, just wait a second, right? So, (laughs) preacher kid, sorry, sorry. But it might take a while. In fact, look at the story with me in Genesis chapter 16, verse one. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children at this point. But she did have an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. She said to Abram, watch this, her theology is even a little jacked up at this point. The Lord has prevented me from having children. How many of you know when you're in an impatient mode, like you can think some crazy things, like your mind can start start racing, and you can even have some inaccurate theology, some inaccurate thoughts about about God. That's why this lesson is so important for us to, to get, because Sarah says, all right, God's not doing it. Verse two, she says, all right, Abram, go and sleep with my servant, and perhaps, since God's not willing, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands and build my own family. Perhaps, she says, I can have children through her. Now, time out real quick. Abram shouldn't have said yes. Men, insert eye roll emoji, right? In that moment, it's like, really? But Abram went along with Sarah's surrogate solution to this problem. And a surrogate solution to our problems will often sabotage God's promises in our lives. And he ends up having a a child, Ishmael, with uh, his wife's maidservant. In fact, ever since this moment in history, there's always been conflict. Ishmael is considered to be the father of the Arab nations. And so ever since this time, there's always been this division, this conflict between these two nations. And she would say, you need to trust God even if it takes a long time. Here's a second thing I think she would tell us during her lap around the track, write it down, is trust God even if it seems crazy, even if it sounds ridiculous. And honestly, I think this is a part of God that you just need to get used to. A lot of us would like to have our Christian faith all kind of normal, all nice, kind of neat, go to church, read my Bible, look a certain way, say a certain thing. Like we all wanna have this kind of all tucked in, all nice and neat. I don't know if you've read God's word, but a lot of it's not normal. Hey, it's not normal to raise the dead. It's not normal to, to heal the sick. It's not normal to open up blind eyes. Miracles are not normal. And if all you ever are looking for is what's normal, you are removing yourself from a miracle working side of God. And God doesn't want you to do that. And so even if it seems crazy, even if it seems ridiculous, Sarah would tell you, hey, trust God. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, it says, then one of them said, I will return to you. This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Uh, Your text might say, the Lord said to them in the New King James and King James, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now, I want to take a time out here because at this point, they're super old. They were old before, but it's like, you know, 24 years later, almost 25 years, years later, now Abraham is 100, Sarah is, is 90, right? And I'm thinking through this. Try explaining that pregnancy to your family. Um, hey, everyone, your great, 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 great grandmother is pregnant, you know, kind of like, oh. 
and I was thinking through, what, is a, what does a gender reveal look like for a 100-year-old man? Like, what does he do? Does he dye a sheep, you know, pink or blue, and then just let it out and, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. It's just how my mind kind of, it's weird. This is a crazy place up here. Uh, verse 10, Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah, look at this, was long past the age of having children. You think, nine years old? I think so. Uh, verse 12, so she laughed silently. The Bible says to herself. Well, at least she thought it was to herself, but this wasn't a, oh, this is wonderful kind of laugh. This was a, God, you are out of your mind, right, kind of laugh. And she was mocking God. And God gets offended by that. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Don't miss this. Is there anything too hard for God? I think God is sometimes insulted by our small thinking. When we place God in this, this box and just because something sounds ridiculous that could never happen, he's like, really? Is anything too hard for me? And he says, so I will return this time next year and mark my words, Sarah will have a son. And so Sarah would implore you, don't do it. Don't put God in a box. Don't think that this is, this is outrageous. Don't do it. And look, it's gonna take a long time. It's gonna take a long time, and when it does happen, it might be really strange. It might not seem what you think it was going to be. And the third thing is trust God even if and when the people around you don't. Because your spiritual enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will put haters in your life that, that wish some very bad things for you, like bad things that you always wish, and they wish, and they wish, and they wishing on me. That's Drake, so, sorry. One person knew Drake, that's right. But he'll bring voices into your life, voices speaking into your ear. In fact, one of my um, greatest concerns with this generation is the overabundance of voices that we have speaking into our lives. Like, technology is awesome. Like, I love it. It's amazing that right now you can video chat, you know, on Facebook with someone on the other side of the globe whenever you want to. It's, it's incredible. Praise God for technology. But that same technology means that you now have more voices speaking into your life than ever before through blogs, through social media, you know, through all kinds of channels speaking into your life. And Sarah would say, look, you got to be careful who you listen to. Because I, I had voices too. I had people telling me that there's, you're too old to have a baby. You should be a grandmother, you know, at, by now, by this point. And when she finally uh, has this child and this promise comes to pass, look what she says in, in verse six of chapter 21. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. In fact, she names her son after this, what Isaac means, laughter. All who hear about this, they'll laugh with me. She goes, now let everybody see what God did. Continue on. She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Sarah would look you in the face. She'd, she'd run a lap with you and say, look, God knew what he was doing. 
God knew what he was doing, so don't you dare sabotage his promises with your own solutions. That's why this all should be encouraging to us because even though uh, this woman spends most of her life doubting God, disbelief that this could ever happen, uh, in fact, at one point mocking him, saying there's no way that you could do this, laughing at him, she still ends up in Hebrews chapter 11 in this hall of fame of faith. Take a look at it. It says, it was by faith, and I love this, that even Sarah, like even Sarah, you know, the doubter, the mocker wound up here in the hall of fame of faith. Even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old, she still believed that God would keep his promise. And in the end, she realized what I'm hoping you and I will, will realize is that every time we get involved with our own solutions, a lot of times we will derail, we will sabotage, you know, we will complicate God's promises in our lives. But the good news, check it out, he's still faithful. He's still faithful. He's still a good God. So for some of you, no matter how far away you get, no matter how great your doubt grows in your life, God will still fulfill his promises every time. He's a wonderful God. Amen? Amen. So here we are, jogging around the track. And I think before Sarah kind of races off and climbs back up into the stands, she would give us these encouragements. I want you to jot these down. I think she would say, hey, while you're waiting on God's promises, don't, don't get ahead of them. Like, don't, don't outpace the promises of God. And honestly, I've been guilty of this. I'm a very impatient person. We got any impatient people in the room? Yeah, all right, good. You know what I'm talking about. Like, if I want something, like, I want it, I want it now. I want it done right away. I don't know if many of you remember, but we, we planted this church about six years ago inside of Harding School, and we were doing the whole portable thing. Uh, set up, tear down, set up, tear down. And that's fun for a while, but there is a shelf life on the whole portable church thing. I'm just telling you right now. Like in the early days, it was cool. Show up at, you know, 6.30 in the morning. You got the music blasting, eating some mighty fine donuts. Someone's always bringing those. Like it was a good time. But about a year or so in, we're like, dear God, you know, when are we gonna get our own building? And I don't know if you remember when this building became vacant, um, but it was only about maybe a year or so into our church playing. So it was about five years ago or so. And as soon as I heard, I knew right where I was. I was up on... Uh, Panera on Lower Peach Street, the new Panera, and I heard it was open, and I raced out here. I found a number. I started praying circles around this building. I was marching around it like, you know, Josh in the wall. I didn't want the walls to come down, but I, I wanted, like, I was claiming the land. I really felt in my heart and my spirit, this is where we were going. I remember talking to so many people. Um, one of them sitting right here on the front, he came down and prayed, you know, circles around this place. My wife and family, we would pray circles around this place, just knowing, believing, this is where God was bringing us. And I fasted, you know, for a few days as well. And then you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Like the whole thing got shut down. It ended up being a, a dead issue. It was dead in the water. I'm like, man, I really thought that this is what God had in mind all along. But how many of you know God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life? And at just the right time, 
Like when the school was kicking us out, they're like, hey man, three years, you guys, it's time to move on. You know, like we were doing three services and they're like, you gotta, you gotta go. Then I reached back out. See, God knew what he was doing all along from, from the moment. In fact, it's kind of ridiculous now for me to think back. We weren't ready. Like a year into the church, there was no way we could have made this happen. In fact, when we finally did move in, and this is something to celebrate, we, we raised money, about $330,000 from people. We took out a $400,000 note to, to kind of pay for everything else that we did. It was like a 10-year a, a note, but we paid that thing off in two years. This is a debt-free church. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome. God's plan. It's way better than our plan. Don't run ahead of God. Don't outpace the promises of God. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is actually, he's not slow. We think he's slow, but he's not slow in keeping his promise. As we understand slowness, he is, though, patient. So here's the burning question. What do we do in the meantime, in the waiting, this is gonna help someone out in this room today. This is, this is for someone, this is why you're here. I wanna give you a secret to patience. And it's knowing what to do in your waiting. The Bible gives us some clear instruction. This is a verse that you should throw up on your, your, your wall, your, your refrigerator, something that you should read often. Psalm 37, seven says this, read it, be still in the presence of the Lord, comma, don't miss that, and wait patiently for him to act. In order to do what's on this side of the comma, wait patiently to act, you first need to learn to do what's on this side of the comma. Be still. Some of us, you need to slow down. You need to, your impatience is driving you. You need to slow down. You need to be still so that you can learn how to be patient. In fact, the second half of this verse uh, gives us some more uh, encouragement. Let's read it. There it is. Don't worry about evil people. In other words, be still. Shut out those voices in your life. Can I be honest? Some of you, you need to, you need to fast Facebook. You do. You need to sh some of you need to shut it down altogether and never go back. Some of us need to shut out some of the, the news and the blogs and the things that we're, we're reading online and other places because a lot of it, it's not even true that much anymore. It's all for entertainment value or they're trying to, to sell you something. Like, yes, there are problems in this, this world, but the world's not telling you all the good stuff that's happening. And if all you ever do is run around believing that the world is gonna fall apart and it's all just, just, just terrible and never understand that there are great things going on in the world, listen, God's not nervous about the world. He's not nervous about this condition. It's not like he's up in heaven going right now, oh my me, I didn't know that any of this was gonna happen. He's not nervous about it. So we shouldn't be either. And we need to learn to shut out those voices, we need to worship God, shut out the voices. Worship God, shut out the voices. And as you do, you will see an increased capacity for patience. You will. You'll find yourself being still and being able to wait patiently. And, and Sarah would tell us, man, just, just 
don't do it. Don't, don't outrun God. Be patient. Don't get ahead of him. And then she would also tell us, I think, as she's going up into the stands to focus more on what's happening in you and not to you. In fact, I'd say it this way. When, when God is, when, when something is happening to you, you can be sure that he's doing something in you. He wants you to go through a process. And again, we don't necessarily like this part of God. Uh, at least I've discovered in my own life, I'll, I'll take something to God. Hey, God, I really, I really need you to fix this for me. And God will respond, hey, I'm happy to do it. Sure, I'll take care of that for you, um, but why don't you and I, we learn something along the way. And I'm like, I'm really not interested, God, in learning something right now. I just need you to fix this. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll fix that, but I want to grow you. I want to teach you something. I'm like, God, I don't want to be taught anything. I'll go to heaven dumber than a box of rocks, right? I just need you to fix this. He says, that's not how it works. Whenever something is happening to you, God's doing something inside of you, and you should know that he's way more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. In fact, we would all agree with that. Like, I don't, um, I don't listen to my kids' desires and what they wanna do uh, based on their comfort. Like, if I go to wake them up in the morning for school, you know, let's just say, for instance, and my, my son says, I don't wanna go to school today. It's not like I go, oh, well, okay, that's fine. Like, why don't you just sleep in today? Why don't you just take it easy, just chill? And then maybe tomorrow, we'll see how you feel. Maybe tomorrow you can go to school. That's not what I say, right? I said, you better get your little rear end out of bed. Like right now, I created some immediate pain for their ultimate purpose. And you should know something. God will do that in your life too. He will create some pain, some discomfort to push you to his ultimate purpose for your life. Are you getting that? I was thinking through this. I'll have the band come back out. We'll shut this thing down. I was thinking through Mother's Day and thinking through uh, the birth of our four, four boys. We have four boys. And my wife, she's a, man, she is a champion. Like, she's just amazing. Uh, she birthed all these things au naturel. And that wasn't the intention, like, she wanted to get an epidural. Um, it just wasn't working. There was something about the way her vertebra are and her spine and the distance. I don't know, doctor stuff. But it wasn't working. So she had them all natural, like no epidural, not even like a Tylenol, all right? She's a, she's a champ. But I remember with our, our firstborn, Wade, uh, before, you know, he came into the world, we went through Lamaze class. Do you remember Lamaze class, any of you? Like, where they teach you how to breathe? You know, and count like he, 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 he. You know, you know, I think that's how you're supposed to like he, he, he. And which, by the way, you don't do in the middle of labor. Because if I'd have told my wife, honey, 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 you're doing it wrong, like right now. Like it's, it's he, he, he. She would have clawed my eyes out of my head. Like she would have. I wouldn't even have eyeballs, and that's all right. But in that moment, and my wife, again, she's a champ with our firstborn ways. She pushed for like six and a half hours, and it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I don't remember a lot about, I don't remember facts about my boy's birth. So I don't remember weight. I don't remember like time, you know, any of those things. I remember the way things felt. I don't remember facts, but I remember the way things felt. And the doctor came in, and the, the, the midwife that we had came in. And they said something in that moment that's, that's so huge. I don't want you to miss this. 
He said, Kristen and Colby, this is the only time in your life where the pain isn't telling you something is wrong. It's the only time in your life where the pain's not bad. It's actually, it's actually a good thing. The doctor said, you know, every time you have some pain, it usually points to an issue. It usually points to a problem that you need to go get taken care of, that you need to, to fix. But this is not that kind of pain. This is the kind of pain that you need to push through because you know there's something greater on the other side. And Sarah would tell you, she'd look you in the eye, listen, I know it's painful in the waiting. It's painful in the, the pregnancy. It's painful uh, in, in the, this, 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 this kind of meantime. But you need to push through it because there's something greater on the other side. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mama. We are enlarged in the waiting. I love that. You are growing in the waiting. God is stretching you in the waiting. God is increasing your faith in the waiting. We are enlarged in the waiting. It says, but the longer, uh, we of course don't see what's enlarging us. Right? It's kind of like you don't see the, the baby inside. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. Come on, pregnant ladies, that's your verse right there, right? The longer we wait... And by the way, husbands don't quote that verse to her. That's not going to go well. The longer you wait, the larger you become. And I would say it this way. The longer that you wait, the closer you are to delivery. But also, a lot of times, the more painful things become. And that's why in the middle of this, you need to focus more on the promise do your best to ignore the pain, to push through the pain. Focus on the promise and understand that there's a purpose in that pain. And patience isn't the ability to wait. It's kind of, it's what you do in the waiting. It's the way that you wait. James 1 says, so consider it joy when you face trials, when you face hard days, long waits of many kinds because you know that in your testing of your faith, it develops, there's our word, perseverance. It develops patient endurance and perseverance has to have its finished work in order for you to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And something you need to know, this is not fun, but God is committed to this concept. He'll take you through this growth. He'll take you through this, this waiting, this stretching. And many of us will actually slow the process or derail the process or sabotage the process when we try to use our own solutions to it. But the more you embrace the fact that God wants to do something deep inside of you, the faster you'll get through it. Here's the last thing, and then we'll, we'll close our eyes and pray. I think the last thing Sarah would say is that your best solutions pale in comparison to God's resolutions. What he ultimately has planned for your life. I want to read Isaiah 64, 4, and I want you to let this verse kind of sink into your heart as we pray. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him.
you want God to do something on your behalf, here's what you need to know. You're often gonna have to wait. But his plans for your life are way better than your plans for your life if you'll wait. Would you bow your heads today? Some of you are waiting and waiting and it feels like an eternity sometimes. It could feel like God is silent, that God's not speaking. In fact, it was two steps forward, three steps back. It feels that way, doesn't it? You know God has spoken into your heart. He's given you this, this, this promise. You feel you have this, this purpose, but you're waiting. And Sarah would beg you, hey, don't take matters into your own hands. Be still. Be still in the presence of the Lord and, and learn to wait patiently. Worship God. Shut out the voices. Worship God. Shut out those voices. I know it seems like a long time, but trust God. I know it seems kind of crazy and ridiculous the way it's going to happen, but, but understand that God works that way sometimes. He's not a God that we can keep in a box. So in your waiting, just learn to call out to God to be still and patient. I think that's what she would tell us today. And I think for those of you in this room that you don't know God and you know who you are, you don't have a relationship with God, I think maybe this is why you're here today. Because in your waiting, you've been doing this all on your own. You've been making substitute solution after substitute solution. You've just been going life your, your own way and it's not working out. It hasn't been working for you. And God's brought you here to tell you there's a better way. When you fix your eyes on God and you trust in him that he has a plan and purpose for your life, that's better than your plans for your life, by the way. And so the way we come into a relationship with God and understand we can't do this on our own is through prayer. And those of you that are here this morning, and really this is why you're here, because you need to start a relationship with God or you need to renew, you need to recommit your relationship with God that's been broken. Well, the way we do that is by asking God to forgive us of our sins and believing that God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. And when we do that, we believe that Jesus' blood is covered all our sins, past, present, and future. The Bible says that we are saved. You might not feel any different, but it doesn't matter. That's what God's word says. You're saved. You're free. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer that, that asks God to do just that for you. If, if that's why you're here, you say, Colby, when you pray, I'm praying that right along with you. Would you hold your hand up high? I just want to see who I'm praying with this morning. Just, just be proud about that. You know what, God, I need you. Like you're reaching out for him. God, I'm desperate for you. I need this fresh start. I need to commit my life to you. I'm, I'm going my own way and I wanna go your way. Awesome, awesome for all of you. Put, put your hands down. You can say something like this in your heart. Keep it simple. Use your own words. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that your sacrifice paid for my sins and today I receive that payment Forgive me for my sins. I repent and I turn towards you and turn away 
from living this life on my own. I believe you died and rose for me. And so right here, right now, I'm being raised to a new life in Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen. Come on church, now we can celebrate big with those that made the decision to put Jesus at the center of their life, to let Jesus be the solution to their problems, not to have a substitute solution, but to say, you know what, I can't do this apart from you. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.